0: Welcome to ProcterCast, where we bring you plain English interviews all about the most relevant procurement topics of the day in short, coffee break sized episodes. Because, hey, time's precious and you have got value to deliver. So now let's get straight into this week's show. Yes, hello, and a very warm welcome to this month's episode of ProcterCast. This is the official podcast of the Proctopus community. If you don't know who Proctopus is, then check out our LinkedIn page, Proctopus on LinkedIn. We are a network of procurement professionals that help with virtual events and regular digital meetups to really bring the procurement community together, whether you're on the buy side, the sell side or somewhere in between side just really helping each other understand where we're coming from and to support each other in these difficult times is what we're all about. Proctopus as a community, and indeed this podcast is sponsored by Contingent. And I'm happy to announce that my guest today is actually the CEO of Contingent, who is Mr. Tai Olegbe. Uh
1: Tai, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. Um, it's a pleasure to join you. And um, yeah, really excited to to talk about what we're doing at contingent and um, join this podcast
0: so we're going to talk a little bit today around sanctions specifically around the ukraine crisis and really to look at how the who who's behind the businesses is really just important as where you're sourcing from but before we do I hear congratulations are in order, and it's funny, really. We've been trying to put this podcast together for a while now, and, and now I know, following your announcement last week, why it's been so tricky to pin you down. Because you you recently, well, last week actually, we were recording this first week in April. You just announced a pretty sizable funding round, so congratulations! And yeah, tell us a little bit more about how that came about, and and what you're planning to do with this uh, with this latest round of investment.
1: Yeah, no, thank thank you, James. Um, really appreciate it. You, you, you and Protopus more generally are great friends of Contingent, so it's a it's definitely a welcome to hear hear that type of congratulations from you. Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, the funding round, we're we're super excited uh, to be partnering with a new, new set of investors and to also continue to partner with our existing investors, which I think is a you know a real testament to the hard work the team have been doing and and the growth that we're seeing across the company. Um, essentially, um, you know, we were in the process of continuing to build out sort of new innovative products around procurement and um, off of the back of the work that we had and the progress that we had seen, um, we we received a lot of investor interest um, and were preempted uh, by a number of funds and then decided to partner with with one where we felt we built, built the, the strongest relationship um, and obviously bring on board our, our existing investors as well. Um, and, that, and that was that was sort of a, a few months ago. Uh, we we recently announced the round um, because we wanted to sort of share it with the wider market. Um, very excited about where we believe it's going to take us and and how we plan to kind of deploy that capital. Um, in terms of the sort of genesis of the, of the of the company and you know how it was conceived and 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 how it sort of came about. Happy to speak to that. Really, just at the heart of it. It, it, it's born from a lot of experiences that that, that I had faced um, when previously, sort of being exposed and working in in the areas of sort of procurement, third-party risk, um, supply chain, third-party risk. Um, it became very apparent in sort of past roles that there were common challenges and themes faced by companies of, of all all shapes and sizes um, with respect to sort of their their procurement risk and and broader supply chain risk um, and and that's really where contingent was conceived by sort of seeing and, and hearing that that pain point from organizations um, today we are at the point where you know we've built a really excellent product in a short space of time and and are growing the business sort
0: of rapidly so um yeah really excited to to kind of tell you more about what we're doing as well so before we do dig into this particular topic and obviously where contingent comes into that in terms of the solution perhaps just could you give maybe a 30 second elevator pitch of who your typical client is and the problem that contingent solves just just to give a bit of perspective to anyone that's perhaps not familiar with what you do yeah, no,
1: ha- happy, happy to, happy to. Our our, our typical sort of uh, client ranges from sort of procurement teams. They can be um, relatively sort of uh, small procurement teams to kind of larger enterprise procurement teams um, and supply chain teams. And essentially, what we do at the heart of it is is give more visibility and sight of the underlying risks and opportunities that are faced within your your supply chain. Um, and we do that by leveraging new technologies and by leveraging sort of unique product insights. Um, so at the heart of it, if you are a procurement leader or a supply chain leader and you want to try and understand what's happening to your supply chain today, we we essentially can give you that, that visibility.
0: Got it. Okay. So it's really around preempting any potential disruption through risks or geo- geopolitical events, financial shocks, that type of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so at the heart of it, it's, uh, it's about giving you sort of proactive visibility of, of any potential risks, but also more importantly, sort of opportunities to kind of develop the relationships with your suppliers as well. Um, so it's not simply just, just risk, but actually enabling you to proactively sort of take steps to, to, to get advantages, um, within your, your, your supply chain.
0: And this is indeed a bit of a buzzword now, isn't it? The whole proactive slash preemptive, engagement of procurement knowing that you know we're apart from maybe a logistics team supply chain teams we are the closest in an organization to understanding those risks within the supply chain or within the supply base and having the right data for one but also the right software and market intelligence is a big part of that because see, the the most proficient procurement professional if they're if they're dealing with garbage data or if they don't have the right market intel it's a bit like putting a ferrari engine into a into a larder isn't it <laughs> uh,
1: I, I do like that analogy yeah absolutely um you know would would certainly concur with with, with, with that statement i think at, at the heart of it i mean it may be considered a buzzword to some extent but i i think what we're seeing is sort of a, a clear market shift um and a shift in sort of priorities of of procurement and supply chain leaders in terms of them needing to have more visibility and more sight of of these types of risks and leveraging technologies like like ours um you know we we would consider uh, this shift being sort of powered by a, a new category in some respects um you know we we think we're very much part of forming a new category which enables companies to have better sight but also ensures that they can work with suppliers that are compliant and suppliers that also mirror the values that they have as an organization as well
0: yeah absolutely and it kind of sits nicely somewhere in between you know esg more in terms of the proactive you know doing what doing what's good for the for for company ethics and also what potential end customers want while at the same time being proactive around you know hedging or being aware of supply chain risks as well to ensure there is there is continuity to supply if you, especially if you're in the manufacturing space and and i mean i guess we'll we'll stay on that topic a little bit in terms of supply chain disruptions first of all because what started off with covid and has now morphed into into the with with the with the war in ukraine dominating the headlines companies are facing mammoth logistical challenges you know especially with things like port closures in china re- re- revolving with uh, as a result of covid and now you know suppliers being shut down because they've got production sites in 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 Russia, perhaps, and they can't get product out or, or the ports in Ukraine are not operational. These are huge challenges and procurement as a team, as a department has rightly or wrongly always been a pretty lean, tight ship in terms of, you know, headcount and personnel resources available within an organization. And then if you add on top of that as well, especially nowadays, the concerns through cybersecurity and also know, with all of the turmoil, you're going to have suppliers that are going to be wobbly financially as well. So, I mean, I think there has been a general acknowledgement, certainly over the past two years, of where your suppliers are based, maybe putting your business continuity at risk, and things around, you know, cybersecurity, financial stability on top of that too. But what we're going to dig into today is really around who owns those suppliers that you're doing business with, also carries its own risk, and you know looking at company ownership structure, these risks are often highly obscured when you look at things like holding companies and shell companies and different legal jurisdictions and you know tax optimization, all that kind of thing. So what kind of noises are you hearing out there from your existing customer base, particularly around you know the Ukraine crisis and sanctions? and how are you able to help them with the product that you have
1: yeah it's a very good question i think um un- unfortunately um you know what's happening in in ukraine is it's you know it's really really terrible and um clearly you know as an organization and, and me individually i you know i i feel a great sense of sorrow for anyone impacted by that um as a result of of that i think a lot of companies are trying to find a way to sort of respond and kind of mitigate the potential risks um and i think at the heart of it many companies have identified that understanding where they're ultimately exposed is 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 very much an exercise of understanding who owns and controls the the suppliers that they're working with that may be exposed to those regions um i think many many companies that we work with um have tried to try to sort of proactively get ahead of this and, and we have supported them in that process. But what we've definitely seen over the last few weeks and, and, and months is companies sort of coming to us to, to help them with, I would say reacting to that, to, to sort of the inevitability of, of what what's happening in Ukraine. Um, it can be quite complex to understand who ultimately owns and controls an organization um, across kind of a, a range of industries. Um, but certainly across supply chain, you know, given, Given the types of natures of companies that are are, are in those jurisdictions, you know, in, in certain industries, sort of commodities, for example, it, it becomes, you know, very, very important to understand who owns to controls these organisations, um, where there might be political influence or political exposure or or, or, or some form of um, risk that, you know, you need to sort of get ahead of. Um, and we're supporting our customers to, to sort of do that. I think to your point around sort of disruption more widely, um, you know, obviously, you Ukraine is a is a significant producer of a of a lot of sort of products and and commodities and seeing sort of the the impact that that's happening to kind of manufacturing organisations in particular within our within our sort of uh, portfolio of customers is is, is certainly interesting. Um, we're definitely supporting them around how we can help them uh, get insights around what what other types of supplies they might be able to bring in or, or work with as well.
0: And how actually does a tool like Contingent provide intelligence on this. Is it is it something that can search into perhaps a, a particular sanctioned individual? I mean, in this case, for example, if it was a company that ultimately had a holding structure that had part or complete ownership by by an oligarch or someone that was close to Putin who was sanctioned, or or is it more along the lines of being able to figure out what jurisdiction? the parent company is and whether that's affected by some of the supply chain risks and challenges that that this crisis has has brought to the forefront
1: yeah so fortunately all, all three of those um so we can give visibility as to uh who the individuals that are behind the business control the organization and and have sort of wield the most influence we can give sort of exposure as to whether they they have any sort of political ties and and are close to uh, vladimir putin for example or, or the kremlin more broadly and we can also uh give sort of a, a a view as to you know where companies are exposed based on there being a, a relationship with a, a a russian sort of ultimate entity for instance as well so um news plays a part part of that um sort of screening and sanctions plays part part of that but sort of r- really the key i think is our is our insights engine that we've built so
0: Tell us a little bit more about the insights engine, then, because I think a lot of procurement pros that that are listening to this are aware that there's software out there that can do risk management to various degrees of uh, of, of intensity. But maybe just dig into a bit more detail to understand where perhaps this this solution differentiates itself from other from some other software that's out there on the market that they may have seen or heard of.
1: Yeah, so so at the heart of it, um, you know, we, we we certainly don't sort of position ourselves as a, as a data company. I think many of the solutions that exist today are, are really just driven around sort of uh, data. Um, so you you can go to the yeah. market and find you know screening solutions and, and and news aggregators and you know a host of solutions that I think do provide value. Um, but the, the the key, and I think this really relates to the point that you were making earlier, James, is that it's it's not about simply the data; it's about really capturing understanding. And gaining the insights that you need, and when when you're in a in a team that you know are being asked to do more and more, and you know you're being asked to do that with less and less resources potentially, uh, you know, spending the time to try and delve in and, and investigate specific data points is is not something that every every organisation has the opportunity to. So we spent a lot of time building out an insights engine that would enable procurement professionals and supply chain professionals to get clear visibility as to you know what the risks are that they should be focused on um, in a simple and easy to use and intuitive platform. so I think in terms of how we differ to other solutions in the market, uh, fundamentally you know we're we're really about providing decisions rather than data, which I think is uh, is quite a significant shift from um, from the offerings in the market.
0: Okay, got it. thank you. So moving on from that. How can procurement obviously hold companies purse strings and also, you know, have, I mean this in the cleanest way, have have perhaps influence with the supply base in terms of the relationships that that they've built up over the time that they've been dealing with them. So how do you think procurement teams can help support the unfolding humanitarian crisis in Ukraine with people fleeing the country and with with obviously disruptions to, to you know, internal supply chains in a country that's that's an active war zone.
1: Um, I think there are a number of ways. I mean, I, I think sort of at the heart of it, um, you know, most companies generally need, need to remain sort of committed to Ukraine. I think you know, from a philosophical perspective, um, clearly what's happening in Ukraine is 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 terrible. And by remaining sort of committed uh, as organisations in, in 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 the best way possible, you know, you're supporting supporting the Ukrainian. People and their and their sort of movement. Um, I think more broadly in in terms of kind of tactical approaches of of what what can be done. I think at, at the heart of it, there there is a uh, there is a uh, an argument to be to be had around um, you know how procurement teams can focus on working with or sourcing um, companies that are supporting the, the Ukrainian crisis as well. So those don't necessarily have to be in Ukraine but i think as i said earlier what we're starting to see across many organizations is that they are looking to work with companies based not solely on sort of their capabilities and and the cost implications but also the values that those companies hold so you know shifting your 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 supply to, to a company that you know is is more kind of positively responding to the ukraine crisis i think is a is an interesting sort of approach that we're we're definitely hearing and and, and seeing as well so
0: yeah and it's also it's always quite a fine line isn't it in terms of you know wanting to support people that are in need but not being overtly political if you're if you're doing business it's uh, it's always a difficult conundrum um, absolutely there's one thing that i will bring up and i think you you're aware of this as well with the the procure for peace movement that that was set up by uh, by sievo and by procuretech to 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 really sort of help coordinate the relief efforts and to Bring procurement professionals' skills skills together. I think that's a it's a great sort of neutral initiative that really just wants to help get supplies and, and and necessary goods to people that need them.
1: Completely, yeah, completely share those sentiments. I mean, another another example that we've seen is sort of county councils that have removed their sort of ties with what well, energy ties specifically with with Gasprom, for example. Um, I think you know there's a there's a there's an argument to be had around how procurement organisations can can shift away from sort of you know Russian Russian um, uh, suppliers off of the back of of, uh, of of what's happening as well. So um, yeah, I, I guess there are a number of ways to to address it. But as you said, there is there is a thin line there from from being an organisation that's focused on sort of your operational and and uh, business goals to not being you know pati- particularly sort of politically engaged.
0: Yeah, completely agree. If we move on from obviously geopolitical instability in terms of the the Ukraine crisis and then look at some of the broader esg and sustainability goals particularly around i'm thinking more around emissions here but if you take you know sup- uh, the perfect storm of supply chain instability the need to cut emissions because customers are demanding it and the increasing cost of shipping are you seeing among your customer base an increased interest in in near shoring or do you think that's just it's still something that's been talked about but not much is really happening in the in the real world
1: um i I do think it's a it's a a fascinating debate isn't it near near shoring A, a large part of it does does depend on sort of um on, on the individual sort of circumstances of, of of the businesses themselves and you know what it is that they're sourcing and and what sort of underlies their their supply chain um I think there's definitely an argument to be had around some of the cost implications actually you know after uh after spending a lot of time sort of sourcing a product from you know let's say part of Asia and then having it shipped across to 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 europe and then and then waiting several weeks to to do that I think you know there's some arguments to be had that maybe you you could actually find um you know, parity in terms of pricing in, 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 in nearer jurisdictions, uh, potentially. Um, but we're certainly seeing that, um, companies are looking at at near shoring, not simply based on sort of commercial implications, but based on how they can kind of limit, limit risk as well. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, interesting to see how that develops over the, over the next several years, in fact, as well, because I, I definitely think there is a shift taking place. I don't know what your, your thoughts are around that actually. Um,
0: yeah, it's. I mean, I'm. I personally think, as a procurement professional, looking at if you look at total landed cost, and if you look at costs that maybe might not be directly handled by procurement, in terms of how it's measured, but 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 sort of fall into the business's wider P and L consideration. I don't think now. I mean, if you'd have asked me ten, fifteen years ago, I would have given a different answer. But if you ask me now. With the with the perfect storm of you know increasing logistics costs, wages rising in places like China and India that are typical manufacturing hubs, and also you know currencies weakening or crashing in some cases on on Europe's doorstep. If we take this from a European perspective, I mean Turkey is the probably the best example that you know the Turkish lira has plummeted, while at the same time wages have gone up in the Far East and. And we've had a shortage of shipping containers, and the cost of logistics for for shipping has skyrocketed. If you add on to that as well, you know the potential cost of poor quality if you have to send a supplier quality engineer out to a supplier in India or China and the cost of their expenses, you know the additional cost of holding inventory because your supply chain is longer and less reliable versus having it you know one week away on a truck in in Turkey or in Eastern Europe. I genuinely think nowadays. That there isn't much of a difference in cost. I think the biggest consideration is less about cost, but more around manufacturing capacity, because places like China and India, or a lot of these, you know, Asian tiger economies, have have put such investment into modernizing and expanding their manufacturing base. Where whereas a lot of European countries have seen deindustrialization. I think that's probably more of a factor now rather than rather than doing it on a cost discussion. It's the efficiency and the manufacturing capacity uh, of, of the supplier that I think will come into play. I think the other one is if you're near shoring, but you're still having to bring in raw materials from somewhere like India or China, then if you're looking at your complete carbon emissions throughout your supply chain beyond your tier one, then you may not see a benefit through doing it if you're looking at it purely from a sustainability slash CO two perspective. But you know, I I'm surprised personally that post COVID we've not seen more of a shift. I believe that it will catch up, and maybe I was you know a bit of someone that was just talking about this a little bit too early for the for mass adoption. But but I do think we will see more of it in years to come
1: yeah absolutely I mean certainly- re- really interesting points, especially around the sort of core commodities that might be required in terms of production as well um i will be interesting to see how things evolve over the next uh, over the next several years
0: so that sort of leads nicely on you know talking about near shoring and wider supply chain risk. How do you think? and you're a good person to ask, you know, being the CEO of a software provider that, that is in this space, how do you think procurement teams can prepare for any risks that might be around there in uh, in the around the corner in the future?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to answer that question. I think, um, you know, clear, clearly there are risks that just sort of can't be foreseen um, at this point. But I think at the heart of it, you know, ensuring that you have a, a strong risk management framework in place and, and systems in place to to be able to sort of mitigate potential risks is, is definitely sort of one key component. Um, I would say ensuring that you have visibility. So as I mentioned earlier, being sort of proactive, um, ensuring that you sort of critically can, can view how resilient your supply chain is at any, at any given point. Um, certainly or particularly across your most critical suppliers, um, your tier ones, for example. And, you know, clearly th- those, those two requirements require the use of technology and the, the ability to sort of monitor across, across these risks. So I think at the heart of it, those, those things are probably key components for any, any sort of uh, risk or insight strategy that a procurement or supply chain team has. Um, in terms of practical steps, you know, I think truly understanding, you know, who's behind the organisations, conducting sort of deeper background checks and, on, on suppliers, and and looking across kind of monitoring, well, monitoring leading indicators, um, I think is the key, right? So as I said before, not just data, but actually having true insights across you know the potential risks, but also the opportunities that you can you can actually take advantage of as a procurement and supply chain team. I think is becoming even more critical and probably a a, a really key component of of any kind of risk strategy. And then finding a way to sort of consolidate a view across your ent- entire supply base. So helping you sort of categorize those risks and monitor for changes. So having a sort of single view of, of those types of types of risks, I think is, is quite important, especially when you think, uh, you know, many procurement teams are spread across kind of multiple jurisdictions and um, you you may at, at, a, at a group level have, you know, multiple teams within subsidiaries as well. So I think those are are definitely things to consider.
0: Yeah. And you hit on a good point there because now with, with remote working being more of the norm you know whether that continues remains to be seen i personally think it will but that's my my opinion rather than rather than sort of hard sort of factual studies technology and also a deeper collaboration between supplier stakeholder and procurement both of those hand in hand I think are going to be paramount, aren't they? You can't really get away with not doing it anymore. I mean, you could you could kind of get away with not using technology if everyone was on site and you could have physically physical meetings and sort of react quickly to anything that happened. It wasn't an optimum scenario, but you could kind of get away with it. But in a more remote working scenario, that level of collaboration between those three sort of key parties is absolutely essential, and if you're not all sat sat around a meeting room with a flip chart, you need to have technology that can help to, well, a present the data, but b also to be able to give you the insight so as you can you can work a little bit more proactively to to prevent what's coming.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, I think, as you said, I think there's a recognition from from sort of most professionals. Uh, in the procurement and supply chain space, that, that there is a need to adopt technology to, to really be able to do this, right, to be able to ease the burden on on teams and and truly facilitate sort of the collaboration needed to, to get visibility of, of, of these risks. Um, I mean, what we're seeing, which is really interesting, is that, you know, across a, a range of industries, there, there is a shift taking place as to how companies are prioritizing uh, these themes. Um, so whether you look at sort of industries that are traditionally kind of I would say low risk in some senses across across their suppliers or perceive themselves as being low risk, like construction, where you're you're seeing them really adopt sort of best practice. And equally where you've got industries that typically are, you know, very, very open to trying to find ways to mitigate risk like financial services, where you're starting to see actually a shift away from, you know, some of the more traditional risks that they that they look at, like KYC and AML and and now looking at sort of their their supply chains and operational resilience, for example, and, and how they can kind of mitigate against any threats to their, their sort of business continuity?
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting what you're saying there because even though you know no two companies are the same, there are generally some industry sectors that are a little bit more mature, a lot more mature in some sense. You know, if you look at something like automotive, that have to be mature in terms of risk management because they've always operated on such a just in time supply chain model because it's such a low margin industry. Whereas as you as you alluded to, financial services construction you know also farmers always historically been a very high margin quite traditional industry they're playing a lot of catch-up aren't they now and i think that will continue for for some time to come
1: yeah yeah absolutely there's there's certainly an evolution taking place across kind of a number of different industries and i think from 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 our perspective why we're you know very excited about the future is that we've developed a product and and continue to develop products that are are agnostic in 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 terms of specific industries and we can kind of support a number of use cases and We've sort of seen that based on the customers that are, you know, currently using our products and services as well. So um yeah, I think it's a it's a very kind of bright industry for us to be in. Um and yeah, certainly happy about about the direction and the evolution of the market. Um there's an awful lot of change, but with ch- change comes lots of opportunities. So, you know, we're keen to keen to support where we can.
0: Indeed. So just before we sign off, Ty, the easiest question I'm going to ask you today, if anybody would like to learn more about Contingent or maybe connect with you personally, where's the best place that they can go to learn more?
1: Yeah. So um, go to our, our website. So that's www.contingent.ai. Um, they can sort of reach out to us directly via by phone call and uh, one of our team will, will be happy to sort of walk, walk them through our, our offerings and, and how we might be be of help. Um happy to connect with anyone individually as well. I'm, I'm personally very keen to, to speak with operators in procurement, the procurement and supply chain space. Um, always very, very interesting and fascinating conversations. Um, so yeah, feel free to connect with me on, on LinkedIn, or uh, you can reach out to, to me directly as well by um, email. And uh, yeah, very, very keen to, to have those discussions. And um, we'll be very excited to, to hear from some of the some of the listeners.
0: Awesome. And we will link to all of that in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't catch any of that, if you're listening to this episode. Ty, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. know you've been busy securing your latest round of funding. So uh, yeah, wish you all the best with your your hiring and with your growth. And uh, yeah, catch up with you next time I'm in London. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, James. So that was Ty from Contingent talking all about risk management, specifically around knowing the who as well as the where behind your supply base and how that fits into the Ukraine crisis and the wider supply chain and risk challenges that we're facing in uh, today's environment. Just one quick thing before we sign off: Proctopus now has our own app. If you want to be part of it, we have left the note. The we have left the link below in the sh- we're in the show notes. So as you can join, just click on that link. It will prompt you for a little bit of information from your side. So as you can join a sort of more private community, if there's something maybe you want to ask in a smaller circle that you don't want to publish on LinkedIn in a group among your fellow peers, then that is definitely the place for you. We also post early news about any events that we're hosting there, as well as general chat, banter and fun and all that lovely stuff. Thank you very much for listening to ProctorCast this month. We will be back again with another episode in a few weeks' time. Until then, take care, look after yourselves, and stay productive. Bye for now.